hope you have discovered that. And uh, you can relax. I'm not going to uh, talk about giving today. Um, but I am going to talk about a principle that Jesus teaches that um, relates to that. It's the whole idea of generosity. If I were to um, talk to somebody who knows you, um, your spouse, um, your family member, uh, somebody you work with, a close friend who's been around you for a while, and I, would, I were to ask them, would just describe this person to me. Would the person who is describing you, would generous be a word that they would use? Should it be? There's a, uh, there's a great story. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, Lee. That, uh, that gal right there, that's, that's Rita Jackson Burns. Uh, Rita lives in Houston, Texas, and works at uh, Walgreens there. Uh, she is, uh, she's 57 years old, and she has worked at that very same Walgreens for 38 years, since she was 19. She's worked there. Um, delightful woman, uh, to all accounts. Uh, just has a, a bubbling personality, uh, just kind of makes people feel at home. People kind of seek her out when they go there because she's so friendly. She's one of those kinds of gals. Well, last week, um, they had a, a, a gal that came into the store. Throw that next picture up on the screen. That gal right there on her right, that's Rena Liu. Rena came into, come running, running into Walgreens. Uh, Rena is a real estate agent. She was on her way to show a house, um, but she needed to pick up a few light bulbs uh, for the house to have, make it have a, a nice presentation or a couple of lights out. And so she ran into this Walgreens. She's behind schedule and she doesn't want to be late and she's a little bit frantic anyway. She gets the light bulbs that she needs. She runs up to the counter and uh, opens her purse. And have you ever had those days when, when one thing goes wrong, it's like it all goes wrong. Well, that was Rena's day. Uh, she grabs her purse and realizes to her horror that she left her wallet laying on the counter at home. So now she's scrambling. And then she all of a sudden she thought, I know I've got Apple Pay on my phone. I've never used it. Anybody ever use Apple Pay? You know, somebody, I know a lot of people use that electronic you know, kind of stuff where you can give. Well, she, she pulls out her phone because she's got, well, I've got Apple Pay. I've never used it, but maybe I can figure it out real quick. Well, she pulls out her phone, and again, to add insult to injury, not only had she left her wallet on the counter, she had grabbed her husband's phone instead of her phone. And she's mortified. She's standing there with these light bulbs looking at Rita. And, and she's telling Rita what's going on as she's getting it. And Rita, God bless her, looks at this woman and realizes she's in a difficult way. And Rita finally just says, it's okay. Why don't you go ahead, take the light bulbs, go to your appointment, and I'll pay for these for you. Now, Rita does not make a lot of money. And Rena was blown away that this stranger who didn't know her at all would be willing to do such a thing. And Rena thanked her, took light bulb, said, I will come back and pay for them. And she goes out of the store, and as she leaves, Rita, the clerk, literally looks up to heaven and says, please, God, let there be enough money in my account to cover this. Because she lived uh, on a shoestring budget. And she knew that she had very little money in her checking account. The light bulbs were $12.47. And so uh, she, she swiped her debit card 
And uh, don't you know, it cleared. She found out later she actually had $20 in her checking account, 20. And she gave $12.47 of it to this stranger. Now, what was really wild were there were a couple of other Walgreens employees who saw what Rita did and walked over and just said, that was amazing. You know, we can't believe that you did that. And, and when she pulled her account up online, she said, well, the half has never yet been told because I wasn't sure that I could cover it. And here's what happened. And then they were all laughing that, you know, that God just, you know, maybe stuck an extra 20 in her account just to cover that. They had a good laugh with it. Well, Rena came back. Rena came back and thanked her for that and gave her the $12.47 to cover it, but gave her a little extra too, just to say thank you for being so kind and so generous, which was a really nice thing to do. One of the employees told Rena what happened. They said, you don't even realize that when she did that, she didn't even know if she had enough money to cover this. She lives a very tight budget and she you know, has, doesn't have much money. And Rena was deeply touched. And so she, she went home and uh, she got on social media, got on Facebook, and she posted this story of what Rita had done for her. And uh, people started, you know, blowing this thing up. And a person said, you know, somebody like that deserves to be rewarded. And so she started a GoFundMe account for Rita that they might be able to pay off a few more bills uh, for her just to help her live maybe just a little bit easier. And don't you know that in just one day's time, over $6,000 was put into that GoFundMe account for Rita Jackson Burns for this kind, kind thing that she did. Now, what happened to Rita exemplifies a principle that Jesus teaches. Let me give it to you. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with me in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. In the context of this verse, Jesus is talking about living an up, a right-side-up life in an upside-down world. He's talking about loving people who aren't very lovely. He's talking about forgiving people who have sinned big against you. He's talking about doing things that really are countercultural to how we think. And in an every man for himself world, these are the words of Jesus in Luke 6:38. Would you read them out loud with me, please? Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, first of all, let me tell you what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying that every time you pay a $12 bill for someone, you're going to get $6,000 in return. Uh, please hear my heart and look, look at me and make eye contact. I know that there are is preaching and teaching that says, you know, here, just give this, and uh, God's going to give you that much more, and it appeals to people's greed, and that is not the principle that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the principle that is the understanding that God has been incredibly generous to us, and we, in like-mindedness, ought to be generous to other people. When we open our hearts and our lives back to God, and we open our hearts and our lives to other people, a couple of things happen. People respond to that kind of generosity, and you know what? God responds to that kind of generosity. 
And that's what I want to push on you a little bit about today. Not, not necessarily giving to the church, though I'm very thankful for the way that you guys give to Chartel and back to God and the ministry here. And, and, and we commend you for it. And this is a brand new budget year, and we hope you'll do that well. But I want to talk to you about a deeper dimension. I want to talk to you about how do you really develop a, a mindset of generosity and how do you really live as a generous person? Are you ready? What I want to talk about when I was thinking about how to approach this, I came back to this idea of perspective. So much of how we live and act, how it comes from the perspective that we develop. Now, what I want to do, do today, when I was laying this out, I got, I got a lot of stuff here, so I'm just going to blow through this. I'm, I'm going to touch and go. I want to talk about the proper perspective on several things. Are you ready? Got your pens ready? Let's go. Here's the first one. Generosity comes from a proper perspective of origin. It comes from a proper perspective of origin. Now, what I mean by that is, so where does this stuff come from? And the realization is, everything that we have comes from God. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that exists, it was created by God. God spoke, and it came into being. He, crea he created it ex nihilo, out of nothing. That's why I always love the old story about the scientist who decided to call God out. Because, you know, man, you know, we're, you know, our science has really improved and we're cloning and we can do a lot of really cool stuff. So we challenged God uh, to, a, to, you know, to a little test of who could create a better human being. And so God decided to show up for this contest. And the scientist and this God are standing side by side. And he says, well, let's see what we can do. And so God reaches down and scoops up some dirt and begins to fashion a man. And the scientist reaches down and God reached over and slapped his hand and said, no, 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 no. You create your own dirt. <laughs> You see, you may be able to do something with something, but that something you're doing something with, that came from God. Amen? I love it. Look at the passage of Scripture from James 1, 17. Read it with me. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Here's the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 8, spoken to his disciples. Read it with me, church. Give as freely as you have received. In other words, Jesus spent three years with his disciples, pouring himself into them. Everything you guys know, everything you guys have, it came from me. And as you have received this so freely, freely give it away. That's the perspective of origin. And that ties me to the second. And that is a proper perspective of ownership. A proper perspective of ownership. Not only did it come from God, look at me, it belongs to God. Amen? It belongs to God. I, I love in Psalm 24:1. Read it with me, church. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people. Read those three words again at the end. Belong to him. Say that with me. It belongs to him. And the day that we understand that, generosity changes. Because all of a sudden, I'm not giving my time away. I'm giving the time God gave me away. When I'm, when I'm sharing my talents, I'm not giving my talent away. I'm not doing, you know what? I'm sharing the talent that God owns away. When I, get, when I talk about giving or when I'm helping somebody or giving to the church, I'm not, I'm not giving my money I'm giving God's money. 
You want a beautiful story. Go back sometime this week and read uh, 1 Chronicles 29 and read the story where David was collecting money and materials for the temple to be built that was going to be built by Solomon. And, 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 and down about verse 14 or to, to 16 right there in fact, first, first Chronicles 29, you, you see David, you hear David having this conversation and as he's praying, he says, oh God, everything we're giving you, it came from you. Even this material we're gathering, it all belongs to you. Now, I don't know if you've discovered, this is a hard concept sometimes for us, and uh, particularly kids. How many, how many of you have or are raising children? You know, you've seen this. You, you, ever, you ever have a kid along the way decide that the stuff you bought and paid for somehow belongs to them? You ever run into this? This is my toy. This is my, you know, computer. This is my room. Excuse me? I don't believe that it is. And yet that's the, that's the you know, well, I, it, it's my space. One <laughs> they were laughing, we were talking last night about um, when our oldest son, Ben, when, when he was in uh, high school, junior, senior in high school, uh, he got mad and uh, he, he punched his bedroom door and put a hole in it. And, uh, and he's like, what's well, my room, my door? No, it's not. And so uh, we decided, well, if you want to treat our, our door that way, um, we're going to take it off the hinges. And so we took his door off. And he said, well, I won't have any privacy. And you know what? When you replace my door, you'll have some privacy. Is this sinking into you a little bit? Because the realization is, you know what, this, this room, you, you don't pay mortgage here. You don't pay rent here. You don't pay utilities here. This is a living space that we are allowing you to stay. And in fact, Wanda, Wanda reminded me last night of something she said to Ben when he turned 18. I just thought this is classic. She said, Ben, the law says we have to care for you until you are 18. And now you are 18. We no longer have to care for you. Up till now, you've lived here because the law says you have to live here. Now, from this day on, you only live here if we enjoy you. <laughs> that is one tough lady, baby. <laughs> is it true? Sure, it's true. We get that. And you know what? Look at me. Just, just want you to hear my heart. Your life will turn for the better the day you understand that nothing that you are and nothing that you have is really yours. It's all his. Amen? Third thought of that kind of ties, and it's also a proper perspective of wealth. It's a proper perspective of wealth. And, and again, wealth is such a funny term. You know, when you ask most people, are you rich? People, oh, no. You know, ah, we're not rich. I remember we were at, when, when our boys were young, and uh, Wanda and I made, we didn't make much money. Uh, in fact, we had, were at, went to a church in PA, and we'd taken a $10,000 pay cut from a job that already wasn't paying a whole lot before. And so we were just really kind of making ends meet, and Wanda's just really good about stretching the dollar, living very frugally. We, we were visiting our brother, uh, in, my brother in Ohio, 
And we had stayed there at his house for a couple of days. <laughs> it was so funny. Nathan was, was really small, and, and he came into the, the, the room, and he, he said, Mom, he goes, is, is Uncle Spunk rich? And Wanda said, well, no, not really rich. Why? I mean, he's got, they've got some money, but not, you know, not really rich. Why? And Nathan said, well, Mom said, you know, he's got a nice big house. He said, he's got a TV in almost every room. And, and Mom, his toilet paper is really soft. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the day Wanda decided, well, you know, Maybe cardboard is a little overboard. Maybe we, maybe we need to, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all perspective. Look at me. I just want you to hear my, do you realize how rich you are? Do you realize, compared to the rest of the world, how wealthy we are here in Oklahoma City and here in, in, in South Oklahoma City? No matter, and I don't care. You say, well, Pastor Steve, you know, I don't make as much as you do, and I don't make as much as nearly a lot. It doesn't matter. You're rich. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4. We're going to unpack Philippians in the next series, but look at that verse with me and read it out loud. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. Contentment is a perspective. Now, again, I want to push on this just a little bit because... One of the things that happens to us, and I think, again, we, we're, we're a little bit guilty of this as parents and grandparents, because we always want our kids to have a little better than we had. And so we, we give a little more freely to our kids, and we give a little bit more freely to our grandkids. And, and uh, one of the unintended consequences of that is sometimes we raise kids who have a little bit of a sense of entitlement, or a little bit of sense that, you know, they... They need a little bit more than they do to get along. And um, I saw, a, a, again, this last week I saw a, <coughs> a story that I, th- I thought was, I actually laughed out loud. There's a family. Excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat. I don't have COVID. I don't think. Just to be safe, stay six feet away. There's a family in Australia Husband's a truck driver, and he travels all week, and um, they had a weekend where the whole family was going to be home, so they decided, the parents decided they wanted to do something special. So mom and dad talked, and they decided there was this coastal town in Victoria that they were having a model train show, and it has just kind of a resort town, had some cool stuff to do, so they thought, we're going to take the family, and we're going to go there. So they gathered the kids. They had a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 10-year-old. And uh, they said, we're going to go this weekend to, uh, to the coast, and we're going to go to this town. We're gonna, there's a model train show. We're going to have fun. The dad and one of the boys liked model trains. And uh, guess how the kids responded? Boo! Uh, the 17-year-old daughter just refused to go. The 10-year-old son just threw a tantrum. You know, it's boring. We're, we're, we're not going to go. We wouldn't, you know, and, and, and they were just, you know, the parents were just, just, you know, just saddened 
that they didn't want to join. You know, and they knew what the kids wanted. They just wanted to stay home and, you know, and just, you know, veg all day long. So the parents decided, okay, we'll go. The parents will go. We'll take the, the 15-year-old who, want, you know, who reluctantly wanted to go. And they'll take also the best family friend from home with them. Their modem. Throw that picture up on the screen. They took the modem. Now, for any of you watching that don't get this, the modem is where the internet comes through that, that powers all the devices that kids want to play with. So they said, you know what? The modem is the best family friend. Everybody wants to be on the internet. So maybe the modem deserves a weekend away while we're gone. So they took the, they took the modem with them to the, to the coast. This is so funny. They posted these pictures on Facebook. Here's the modem arriving, Mr. Modem arriving in Victoria at the city. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is Mr. Modem in the swing. This is Mr. Modem going down the slide. <laughs> Throw the next picture up. This is Mr. Modem catching a tan. <laughs> Soaking up some rays on the beach. This is Mr. Modem playing some games at the waterfront. Look at the really cool fish he won. Isn't that fun? Throw that next picture up. And this is Mr. Modem at the end of the day just enjoying some really good fish and chips and kebab. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? This parents took this modem and they said when they got back they said their 17 year old daughter said I got so bored because you took Mr. Modem I got so bored I actually cleaned my room that's how bored I was the 10 year old who threw the tantrum when they left threw a tantrum when they got back he threw a tantrum and said you love the modem more than you love me (laughs) look at me You see, they were teaching the children a lesson. These kids were rich. They didn't know it. They had lost their sense of gratitude about life. And you know what? We do well to recapture that. Can can I tie that to the next piece? And that is gratitude increases and and our our generosity increases when we develop a, a proper perspective of compassion a proper perspective of compassion. And that is not just the fact that, that, we, are, that we are rich, but that we are, are, are so much richer than so many other people um, along the way. I, I, I love this idea. But when we develop compassion, God begins to break our heart. And God begins to open up in us this desire to give. I, I love this passage in talking about being Jesus-like. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is trying to get away. He got the, the, the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed. He was trying to get away from everything. But look what happened. The crowd saw where he was going. They went around to the other side of the lake. They were waiting on him. And it said, and when Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, read it out loud, and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick in other words even though he was tired even though he had all this other stuff going on he saw them he saw their need and you know what it moved him to give of himself even though he just didn't really have a whole lot to give are you moved like that you know, sometimes we become desensitized uh, by what we see on the news. And, and we really don't see up close sometimes the kind of living conditions that, that people have. You know, when I was growing up, um, I thought I was poor. Uh, my 
father had dropped out of school in 10th grade. My mother had dropped out of school in 8th grade. My dad always worked two or three jobs to try to make enough money to put food on the table for five kids. And, um, I, I never had a whole lot growing up. I, I wore my brother's hand-me-downs. Um, I, I wasn't, didn't get a car growing up. I didn't, I didn't own my first car until after I was married. Um, didn't have a lot of things that other kids were given. And I, I always compared myself to kids who had more. And then I always thought of myself as being poor. Then I, I got married and I was living in Houston. And I had the privilege of working in inner city uh, with inner city kids in the projects uh, three summers uh, for the YMCA. And I'll never forget uh, the day that I, I took a kid home who had gotten injured. He had a big gash on his leg. We had to take him to the clinic and he got stitches and I got some meds and I was taking him to meet his mom and to give them to him. And I, I walked into these projects and I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. When I walked into this kid's apartment where he lived, the door was standing open. There was just a stick or two of furniture on, uh, on, in the room. There was a mattress on the floor. There were no beds. There was just a mattress on the floor where he slept. Uh, the place was just filthy, dirty, and there was a refrigerator that had absolutely nothing in it. And I'm looking at this, and I'm realizing I thought I was poor. But on my worst days growing up, I had so much more than this kid. And it changed my heart toward him. And I'll never forget, I was, I was coaching uh, a church planter in, in San Diego. And I was out there one, uh, tw- two different times when we went down to Tijuana. And uh, we were helping. There was a church that they were sponsoring and helping to build down there in a very poor area. And I, I remember going through this area of Tijuana. where it was an entire community where people lived in cardboard boxes. And it was the realization for me that even the kid in the projects had a roof over his head and and had a place to get out of the weather. And, And the people that were living there would have thought this kid was living in wealth. Look at me, I think sometimes you just have to see the need of people up close to let God break your heart enough to say, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't need nearly as much as I think I do. Maybe I can share some of what I've got with those who need it. Does that make sense to you? And it gets me to the next piece, and that is, you know, I, I think when we develop a proper perspective of opportunity, we develop more generous hearts. Proper perspective of opportunity. In other words, when, when I see that, you know, not just is there a need, but when I see that what I give can really make a difference, you know, that'll, maybe that'll, that'll spawn something for me. Maybe that, that'll, that'll help it be a little bit easier for me to let go of it. I love the story, John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching the crowd. Do you remember it? There's 5,000 of them. And uh, it's the end of the day. They're getting hungry. Jesus, you know, the disciples said, we've got to let these people go. And Jesus looks at the disciples and said, give them something to eat. And the disciples are going, dude, you know, eight months wages. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have nearly enough money to feed this kind of crowd. What, what in the world can we do? And there's this little boy who overhears this, that they're trying to feed people. And they don't know this little, this little boy. We don't know who he was. 
We have no idea what his name was, but, but he, 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 he hits up on Philip or one of them, and he says, hey, here's my lunch. And so the disciple turns to Jesus and says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Read it out loud. But what good is that with this huge crowd? <clears throat> and you remember the story. Jesus took those few fish and those few loaves of bread, and he fed 5,000 people. That's opportunity. Yesterday, I had the, uh, I had the privilege of um, picking up lunch uh, and bringing it to our Celebrate Recovery crew that um, were here all day yesterday trying to catch up on, on some of their step studies. And uh, I have just a real heart for Celebrate Recovery um, because for myself and my family and so many dear friends of mine who have had the need to walk through recovery kinds of programs, you, you, it just helps. And uh, Celebrate Recovery is a place where you can find freedom from hurts and habits and hang-ups. And it's just a great thing. And we as a church are so grateful to have this program now beginning to emerge from us. And, and so as a church, I, we, I picked up the lunches and, and brought them here. And, and uh, I got them in and we were, they were having, having lunch and I was trying to help them with some technical stuff. And I had a chance to sit for a few minutes and listen to the leaders talk a little bit. And, and you know what hit me, gang? This is what I give to. It's just me and you. I spend money on stuff all the time. I buy burgers that I shouldn't eat and clothes that I don't need and shoes that I don't. I, I, I spend money on, on stuff sometimes that, that is going to burn and it's all going to go away. But the realization sitting there yesterday is that as Wanda and I give to Chartel, I'm giving to help people find freedom in their lives. There are going to be people one day that I'm going to meet in heaven. And I'm going to be able to look at them. And they're going to say to me, do you understand that you helped me get here? That there are going to be, because of we sponsor these kinds of things, there are, are generations that are going to be helped through this. And that's, that's the part when, when we begin to see that our, our giving and what we do, the causes for which we support, when, when we talk, hear these missionary stories in other countries and they talk about the people that they're reaching, you understand you get to invest in that. It makes a difference. That's giving with opportunity. Does that make sense to you? And when we begin to realize the opportunity, I don't know about you, but it just makes me want to give more. That's the generosity I'm talking about. Let me give you one more. It's a perspective of accountability. A per perspective of accountability. And that perspective says that not only did all of the stuff that I have and am, not only did it all come from God, not only does it all belong to God, one day, I've got to give an account to God. You see, there's a word that we use in church all the time. It's called stewardship. And stewardship means this stuff I have. It came from God. I don't own anything that I've got. I'm just a steward of it. And that stewardship means that one day, at the end of all things, when I stand before God, one of the things God is going to ask me, I gave you this time, I gave you your talent, I gave you the opportunity and the money you have, so what did you do with what I gave you? Fair question. 
What did you do with what I gave you? And I love in Matthew chapter 25, we get a great picture of of people who were given that opportunity and how the king responds to them. And here's one of them who did well. And I think these are the words I want to hear. Then the master said, read it with me, church. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I don't know about you, but those words, well done. I want to hear that. Amen. I want to hear that. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Read it with me. You should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Juan and I were talking either yesterday or the day before About the 44 years we've been married and the opportunities we've had through the years to give to churches, give to causes, and invest in people's lives. We, we were talking about how you know, we've, we've opened our homes to people and we've tried to open our lives to people in a lot of different ways. And the gist of our conversation was this. We have received so much more than we have ever been able to give to other people. When he says it's more blessed to give than to receive, that is so true. Because whenever you open your heart and your life, God and others just pour back into it in rich, rich ways. I saw a story, you, you probably saw this in the news, I just thought this was really cool, and I'll wrap up with this. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's uh, Charles Finney. Uh, Charles, uh, many years ago, founded the, uh, the Duty Free Shoppers uh, organization, and uh, it was a, a company that just really did well. And 40 years ago, he was a billionaire, and he decided he had way more money than any person should ever have. And so he decided to do something that was just kind of crazy. He decided he would take a, a small slice of that money, small, like a couple million dollars, and he would live on that. But he put all the rest of the money, $8 billion in a foundation and said, give it away. And so for the last 40 years, he and this foundation have been looking for uh, uh, educational programs to invest in and various causes to invest in. And for 40 years, they have systematically given this $8 billion away. This last week, they gave the last of the money away. And the Atlantic Philanthropic Foundation closed after giving away $8 billion. Charles is 87 years old. He's at the end of his life, and you know what he did? He gave it all away. What an incredible way to live. Look at me. I love you with all my heart. You do know you take none of this stuff with you. I've yet to do a funeral where the hearse was pulling a U-Haul, you know. It just doesn't work that way. 
we get one shot at this. God has given us so much. Let's find creative ways to give our lives back to him. Let me read the words of Jesus one more time. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. My prayer for us is that our measurement will be one of generosity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder of your word, from your word, that you have, uh, that you really have given us so much. Lord, we confess before you today that everything that we have and everything that we are has come from your hand. Uh, We didn't create it and we don't own it. And Father, you have given us this life. You have given us this opportunity to give everything we've got away. So Lord, I pray that you will make us wise and discerning. I pray that you will make us prosperous, but not prosperous so that we can have so much, but prosperous so that we can give so much. Lord, at the beginning of this covenant with Abraham, you said, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make your name great, your name great, and the entire world will be blessed through you. And God, I pray that one day when we close our eyes on all of this, it will be said of us, they gave it all away. They gave it all away. Lord, you have been incredibly generous with us. By your name, may we be incredibly generous for you. It's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.